Too many people removing and putting others into stages, into studios. What's up, dude? Nothing. What are you up to? Oh, just the daily rigmarole of running to grab kids and trying to get back here in time to start the show on time. Usually a seamless process. Today, not so much, but it's completely my fault. So my apologies for being a couple minutes late today. No, nah, you're all good. You're all good. I've, I don't know what's been going on with me. Like all day today, just like my stomach has not been right. Almost had what I thought may have been throwing up at, after lunch today. Yeah, I know. Like, so if I, if I jet here, you know what's going on, but I'm feeling okay right now. So got my Gatorade, got my water and ate a protein bar. So you haven't been taking advice from the nutritionist with A&M football, have you? I have not. No, that's the other thing. My gas hadn't been bad. It was just more. um, And I talked about how great Encapsulate is. I mean, it's been awesome, but there are also going to be times where, you know, that can only do so much. You may eat something or or, so I had some poke for lunch. It may have been that. Yeah. You know, it's funny that we can eat so many different things in the middle of Texas that we never would have had access to 50, 60 years ago. Yeah. Which is the result of having uh, incredible advances in technology, specifically transportation and food production. But you do still have to ask questions about certain things like is grocery store. Now you had poke from probably a really good place downtown, but is grocery store sushi. Is it quality enough for you to eat and not have to worry about the uh, unfortunate byproduct coming out the other side? I think it depends on the grocery store. I've gotten it at Central Market before, and it's been been fine. I've had no issues. I'm not sure I would hit anything else. Maybe outside of Whole Foods. Yeah, the Aldi sushi is probably actually raw. I don't know, cat, dog, something other than fish. If it is fish, it's a, a fish from a pond in a neighborhood that has dealt with a whole lot of uh, construction runoff. Yeah, I've I really only gotten into po- poke recently. <laughs> and I like it. It's right up my alley. I love rice. I could eat rice for every meal accompanied by something. I'm jealous and- of people who can eat rice. Rice, for whatever reason, inflames me. I eat rice and I feel bloated like a like a PMSing housewife who's just consumed a bunch of Coke. Yeah, Coca-Cola. I'm looking for her. Let me know if you find her. Coca-Cola. <laughs> Coca-Cola. Did she just settle some big divorce? Because then, then I really want to talk to her. Just settled some uh, big divorce. She's high on benzos, and she's she's feeling bloated. Sounds, bloated. Right, up my, sounds right up my alley, man. Bloated and ready to party. Bloated and ready to party. Are there people our age still doing coke? Yes. Yeah, I know. I mean, I I, I asked that knowing the answer, but it's just, you know, that's a drug to experiment with in your 20s in my opinion and then you'll realize like everyone else that this is a worthless drug i know people a lot older than us that are still doing it and my question to those people is how like yeah no judgment or low judgment no. like none you do, you do you i guess if it's not really hurting anybody else but yeah. man that is one of those things that really does turn your brain into Swiss cheese over time. And it's also something that is hard to bounce back from mentally. Yeah. Too. No, I mean, any drug that the end product is you waking up with the smallest penis you've had since you were six, watching a porn you never would have bought, 
and asleep on your couch or waking up on your couch, that's not a great drug. Although I may have just given it some good advertisement there. Wait, does Coke have a shrinkage effect? That's one of those things that I... It, embarrassing admission i've done it in my life I, I i it just wasn't my thing though i didn't well, like it so i didn't experiment with it enough to know about all the side effects i think early on it can give you you know definitely can turn you on but also give you some good wood but yeah i mean if you do enough of it then you know that's the other thing it's not one of those drugs usually usually you want more hmm. uh cb Weighing in early as he does on pretty much every show. We appreciate the support, CB. He misses Texas food. Food selection up here sucks. I, I don't know. That depends, CB. There are certain things that the great Northwest does well and in some cases does better than Texas. Like I feel like the sandwich game in Oregon and Washington is better than here in the state of Texas. Really? But there are things that Texas obviously does better. He misses H-E-B, too. Understand that. What, you're not a big Fred Meyer guy, CB? Fred that is a very esoteric comment out of me. But having lived in Oregon, I know that Fred Meyer is the H-E-B of the great Northwest. I, I love hey, I know CB also loves, um, wasn't Johnny Football's drug? Of, yeah, I think it was. I know CB loves Whataburger. But I, I, mm. I love the regional grocery stores. Like we had that in in when I'd go to Chicago, it was Jewel and wasn't there an Osco or a, something like that? Jewel Osco was one. Jewel and the Osco, okay. other one was such a Chicago name, Dominic's. Dominic's, I remember Dominic's. Yeah, Dominic, like the guy that you owe money to for that bet on the Bears game a couple weekends ago. Yeah, shouldn't have taken the Bears. Um, Dominic Cisco. Obviously, down here we had Tom Thumb. Like, I, I don't know if Randall's is national either because Randall's bought Tom Thumb. Is that national or is that just local? Randall's is a part of the Kroger family. And I don't know okay. if you saw this in the last couple of days, but Kroger and Walmart, their deal with the, uh, the supplier that was providing their fresh produce apparently lapsed. So they don't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables now, I guess, was my takeaway from that article. Wow. Okay. But Randall's is also, I don't know. It's like an also ran in this city. Like I know everybody loves HEB and HEB for a grocery store is good compared to other grocery stores, but it's still just a grocery store folks. We need to calm down. I know I'm being sacrilege right here, Kevin, but no, you're not. You're being honest. And by the way, Whataburger is just another cheeseburger. Now that's going to get me in trouble. It, but it, it is. Yeah. And, and it's good. Yeah. It, it's good. But it's a fast food burger. Yeah. Yeah. The best um, grocery store in this city, for those wondering, is Central Market. Yeah. I, I like yeah, I like Central Market a lot, which is connected to HEV, I believe, right? It is. And I'm judging that solely on the fresh stuff that I can purchase. If you're talking about the uh the, the pre-packet package process stuff in the grocery aisles and heb has central market beat because central market it doesn't go as far as whole foods does with regards to trying to cater to uh the most brainwashed amongst us with regards to trying to get that the uh, that organic candy bar but uh in terms of fresh fruit fresh vegetables and then meat selection Central Market blows any other HEB in the area out of the water. 
Whole Foods too, for that matter, which Whole Foods is probably behind HEB at this point after the, after Amazon purchased them. Yeah. So I never go to the Whole Foods. I mean, it's just out of the way for me. And, and there's obviously one off what Lamar and I just never go there. And obviously I live right near central market. So when I do go, when I do want to go get fresh vegetables and stuff like that, I will definitely hit that up. They've got really good spices too and pretty fair prices. So sesame seeds, garlic powder, onion powder, paprika, any of that stuff. I like how I have to explain to people what spices are. Yeah, I think y'all get it. Um, but yeah, they've got really good selection with stuff like that. What are you using sesame seeds for? That's not something I don't think I've ever purchased sesame seeds. I love sesame seeds. I, I, I'll use them in a lot of stuff. You can toast them up quickly. Um, mm. If I make fried rice, I fried almost rice. always, if I get extra rice, fried mm. rice is better to make a day after. So you get white rice. The day after is the best way to make fried rice is what chefs have told me. What is that about this starch? content loosening up yeah i think it loosens up a little bit you want it cold and rub your hands with water just to break it up a little bit but i mean i i love me some fried rice i just love rice in general i mean i, I easily could have been born or could have lived in the japanese culture because every type of food they have i love and the stuff they eat a lot i love uh here we go and it's our friend mary Faye. oh mary is gonna die with this y'all are being blasphemous i have friends who grew up here and live in other states who want to go to heb and whataburger first thing when they come home look there are people who we said they're both good mary Faye. yeah but they're also grocery stores and fast food burgers too so if you really want the good grocery store experience you go to central market and if you want a really good burger well, there's probably other places you go in town other than Whataburger. I get the Whataburger. I get, because if you do live out of state, there's a good chance there isn't a place that has that many of those that's good. And so, hey, man, I miss that, getting my bacon cheeseburger. I miss Whataburger. I would never go to a grocery store when I came back in town. I mean, unless we were obviously cooking and had to, but I wouldn't be like, hey, you know, got to go to the dish, got to go to Shoal Creek Saloon. Let's stop by Crown and Anchor. What about Dirties? What a burger. I would never be like, and Trey, we got to make a little stop at HEB. What are you going to get? Nothing. Just want to walk through for shits and giggles. Just and, to remember what it was like. And to dig our hole a little bit deeper, too, I would remind folks that Whataburger was purchased by a Chicago company a few years ago. And I've spoken with numerous people who love Whataburger who also have to admit, much like Amazon's purchase of Whole Foods, that the quality did go down a little bit after that. Because when a major corporation comes in or a venture capitalist comes in to purchase a company that has a sterling reputation like Whataburger did, what are they looking to do? They're looking to grow and expand. And in order to do that, you have to find ways to cut costs in certain places and yep. with restaurants. It often comes down to cutting food costs. So at that point, you're talking about food quality. And yes, Whataburger, better than In-N-Out, I guess. I don't eat it in either place. Oh, uh, Whataburger's better than In-N-Out. In-N-Out is so overrated to me. It's Thousand Island dressing. I, I've, I've got one right near me. I went once and ate it and thought, oh, man, I'm going to Whataburger. The one that's pricey, but I think is really good. First off, Hayes City Store. Oh, it, it driftwood is that is driftwood right 
is Buda, Driftwood, Wimberley. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where it is other than uh, south of Austin. First off, Travis and, and um, Tamara, right? Yeah. <laughs> Are just phenomenal people. But um, people. Yeah, great people. Um, and But that that is worth it. Like that, that to me is the best burger. What's the one that was Danny Meyer? Shake Shack. Shake Shack's really good too. It's overpriced, but and I think they may have changed some stuff. But Shake Shack was was the real deal. Like Hop Dotty, like if we're talking steps up from Whataburger in terms of quality of hamburger, Shake Shack definitely. Hop Dotty is a better burger than Whataburger. But here's my other thing, and this kind of goes along with uh, your feelings on brisket and Texas barbecue. Like I like a good burger every now and then, but it's not something that I'm regularly seeking out. Yeah, like I love sandwiches. I love pizza. I love good Italian. I love good sushi. You know, I'll do an, a, a burger every so often, but it's not even a part of the weekly menu for us. I love a good burger, man. It just hits the spot. So I, I, I don't don't probably do it weekly, but I could. Um, and yeah, I mean, the some of the brisket is done here the thing that amazes me is it's such a tough really crappy protein and piece of meat and the fact that they can make it so delicious that is that's what blows me away they're taking it from zero to eight or nine and and that's kind of what separates the the artistry with that my favorite thing about the burger is either the fries or the tater tots oh i love tater tots it's tater tots for me pretty much every time I have the option of the two. I'll stop by Dirty's and like on the way home and just get tots and a shake if I know I have something else just to like an appetizer for me. Cheese, cheese tots and a shake. Mm. One of my favorite cheat meals, it's not even really a meal, but my favorite cheat snacks, I guess, is when I'm driving up to Dallas or back to Austin from Dallas, stopping at Health Camp in yeah. South Waco. And getting an order of tater tots and a Diet Coke. Oh, well, I'm glad you went with Diet Coke there. You know, it's you almost, you almost went Diet all Coke the way. I don't like the flavor of Coca Cola. God, you like, I, I'm, I'll never forget when my dad switched from Coke to Diet Coke. And I don't know, it was like late 80s, early 90s. And just trying it once. Diet drinks, what, what's, the, uh, what's the thing in there? Um, yes. Oh my God. I mean, that, that hits my palate right away. Like cough syrup. I think it's disgusting. So it's funny you say that and compare it to cough syrup because that's the texture of Coca-Cola to me is something like cough syrup to where even as a fat kid, I would drink the stuff and there would be this layer of film covering my teeth afterwards. Didn't get it with Dr. Pepper. Didn't get it with root beer. Didn't get it with Pepsi or RC. But well, you didn't get it with RC Cola. RC Cola was as woody and thick as it got. I, for, I don't know. Maybe it was the the bacteria in my mouth that jived better with the RC high fructose corn syrup than the Coca Cola high fructose corn syrup. But every time I drank a Coca Cola, the one exception was the Coke Slurpee at Seven Eleven. Yeah. No. No, I, Kevin wasn't a fat kid. Um, no, that, 
Like yeah, but you're a Coca-Cola drinker. I would assume that you would love the Coke Slurpee. No, don't like don't like Coke floats. And I love vanilla ice cream. Hmm. You know, just just not my deal. Hey, did you ever drink Big Red? No, I was never. I never really liked the fruit sodas. Sunkissed. Right. Were you a Big I, Red fan? Not really. I think my sister was. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't mind it. It's not like I thought it was disgusting, but I just was never really into it. Like if I'm going to go big red, let me make some Kool-Aid at home and just dump two bags of sugar in there. Yeah, exactly. I don't need the carbonation if I'm going with a, a fruit soda, essentially. Yeah. Now the exception is funny enough. Cause I wasn't an, ever a Coke guy, cherry Coke. Oh, cherry, cherry Coke is delicious. You know, every time you come over here, you see I've got 12 packs of Cherry Coke. Cherry Coke and Sprite, those are my go-tos right now. I can do 7-Up. 7-Up seem to be bigger up north, like in Chicago. This is in yeah. the 80s, 90s. I don't I don't know when you were living there. Yeah, because Sprite, Sprite was bigger down here. Yeah, Sprite was bigger down here. But, I mean, Sprite, Sprite to this day may be my favorite drink on earth. Alcoholic, non-alcoholic, you name it. Sprite. Sprite, apple juice, and Gatorade. You do love a good Martinelli's apple juice. I do. But I've been Ever doing since you were a kid, too, right? Pardon me? Ever since you were a kid, too, right? Yeah. No, I got off the teat early, my mom said, and all I would drink was apple juice. That's, like, all I wanted. And so my mom, I think I told you this, like, can't still to this day, can't even smell apple juice because, you know, I'm vomiting as a kid like kids do. And she said the smell of thrown up apple juice is just will make sure you never drink apple juice ever again. That doesn't sound good. No, it doesn't. Well, so uh, let's get into, uh, are you nervous about tonight or no? I've tried to maintain this entire time that if and when the Rangers inevitably collapse and it's probably more of a, a win than if. I am not going to be too upset about it because this team is already playing with found money. Even going up 2-0 on the Astros a couple of days ago, they were going to lose a game in the playoffs at some point. And they're also playing a Houston team that has a ton of postseason experience and is really good on the road this year too. And after your first two starters, it's a whole bag of who fucking knows. Yeah, Montgomery and Evaldi. We're both good. Scherzer did not have his slider last night, so he had to lean too much on a fastball. He was putting way too much over the fat part of the plate, allowing the worst of the Astros hitters to completely kill. No, not completely kill. To really hamper Texas' chances of winning that game last night with the ball that he served up to Maldonado after he spiked one that Heim didn't get to his right enough to keep from trickling away to allow Alvarez to score and allow those other two runners to move up to second and third. Maldonado does what he needs to the pitch after that. And that two pitch sequence essentially cost the Rangers a chance to go up three Oh in the series. Now they fought back. I'll yeah. give them credit for that. Give them credit for actually getting to some of Houston's relievers who have been unhittable in these playoffs Including Abreu, man. They they only got one, but, I mean, I, I've said it before the series. Brian Abreu may be the best reliever. Still, but I, definitely, in my opinion, the best reliever going right now who's still alive, but he's one of 
one of the best in baseball just to get to him and Daenerys too. Yeah. Getting to, uh, getting the two run homer off of, uh, Christian after he had no hit you through five innings was huge. It wasn't anything in comparison to actually scoring a run off of a Brayu. Yeah. So is that him being allowed a bit of a slip up with that much of a lead? Yeah, probably. But uh, ultimately, I need to see the top of this Rangers lineup wake up if this team is going to win this series. Now, you have Andrew Heaney starting for the Rangers tonight. He'll likely give you three, maybe four if he's really good. You'll see Dane Dunning probably come in after that. Maybe Martin Perez uh, follows Dane Dunning if Dane only gives you an inning or two. But ultimately, I think for the Rangers to win tonight, they're probably going to need to get into uh, a high-scoring affair. And based on how their hitters have not performed so far in this series, I don't like their chances there. So I need to see the Rangers win one of the next two games, and I think if they do, they win this series. But I don't know if they're going to win one of the next two games right now. Yeah, they got to win one. It's such a weird thing where you – the fan bases, I don't know if the players feel this way, but certainly the fan bases should feel this way. You'd rather be on the road. Yeah. I mean, the, the Rangers have been outscored the last four games against the Astros at the Gill. It's at 47 to 15 now. Mm-hmm. Um, that You don't see that in baseball. And I understand three of those were long enough ago that, that you know, it doesn't necessarily um, play a part, but I think it does psychologically and mentally a little bit. And then if you're the Astros, you haven't played well at home and the Rangers are thinking, you know, we can go win a game there, but you're right. They don't need to go have to go win two there. Um, they got to get, they got to get one of these. They got to take this thing back up three, two with a one out of a two scenario where we can go close this out. You know, if you look at the, the three best hitters against Haney, the guys that have stood out, Altuve's hit three or four bombs, hitting 325 off of them with a good number of at-bats. Jose Abreu has 25 plate appearances against Andrew Haney and has four home runs. Oh, geez. Yeah. I mean, so those are the guys, especially Abreu, who's looked great. He looked awful this year, then looked great for a stretch. In the first two games against Texas, like, dude, what, what's going on with your bat speed again? And then the other guy is Bregman. Bregman's been pretty good against them, so – you got to you got to limit the damage, you know, and Altuve was just man, he, that that guy can hunt a fastball, can he? And especially that getting back to your point, your point's exactly right. When you don't have a feel for the slider, those guys just spit on it. They're like, all right, I'm just looking fastball. And that's all I'm looking. And his velocity was actually up. But as I said on Tuesday, I would even take it. I, I would trade a tick off of that. You have better feel for your pitches and yeah. better and better feel for your slider. And he just had no feel. Yeah, I hope it was just not having a feel for it versus the injury that he's recovering from keeping him from actually throwing that pitch like he needs to. That's interesting. I don't think about that. Um, but I don't know because it was a shoulder or it's a shoulder injury. I don't know what effect that has specific to the slider versus those other pitches because his curveball was on last night. Yes, curveball was fine, um, but the slider is really the one that you can tunnel that looks like that fastball. Yeah. And if you're throwing it for strikes, you got guys guessing, and you know it, it just it, it gives the hitters a serious advantage. Is is your Kitty going tonight for Houston? He is. Yes. Okay. This could be an offensive game tonight. 
Yeah. That's, I think, what the Rangers need in order to win this game. They, yeah. they need it. I, I mean, I guess you would take a, a low-scoring affair if that's what it comes down to, but you also feel better about the Astros' bullpen in a scenario like that. Like, I want to see these Rangers hitters wake up because even though the top of the lineup hasn't been very good, it doesn't take much. I mean, Seager obviously has a track record of being really good in the postseason. Unfortunately, there's seemingly five or six Astros players who also have a, a similar history in October. But if Young can keep it up, like what he did last night, the two two run homers, um, if we continue to get an, an exceptional performance out of Tava, uh, Tavares, who uh, is now playing really good defense and center to go along with what he's done at the plate so far. Nate Lowe gave you a little bit last night, ironic, because nobody else was really hitting up to that point. But we really need to see Simeon, Seager, and then also Garcia, too, start yeah. to do a little bit more. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see if Bruce Bochy moves Evan Carter back down in the lineup. I wasn't crazy to see him hitting third last night because he hadn't, really hit there since he had been called up in early September. And as you're well aware, baseball players are creatures of habit. And so to uh, make a major change like that can take a bit of an adjustment. So if you move him back down in the lineup a little bit, I don't think that's the end of the world necessarily, but we'll see what the lineup looks like and whether uh, these Rangers hitters are up to the task. I think Boach did that because if you looked at the splits with Christian Javier, it was stupid. I mean, lefties against righties, lefties hit him a lot better. And so I think he wanted to get as many lefties in there up. You know, it's weird for a team, for an offense and a team that's been as good as the Rangers <clears throat> to have a roving three spot, three hole hitter. You know, usually you don't get that. Usually you've got, they've had Grossman, Garver, and now Evan Carter fill that spot. And that's just rare for an offense that that is that good. I mean, clearly, you know, everything's worked out so far. They're they're up two one in the ALCS, but that's something that I'd be surprised if that's the case next year. So the lineup is out for the Rangers. For those wondering, Simeon at the top, Seager at two. No surprises there. Evan Carter is uh, still the uh, the three hitter with Adolis Garcia four. Mitch Garver, five, Jonah Heim, six, Nathaniel Lowe, seven, Young, eight, and Tavares, nine. You know, I, I thought this for a couple games now. I want to move Young up. I want to get yeah. Young more bats. Right. He, I, look, I know that he had been striking out, and he was the first to admit that last night, but like, that's not shocking that Young hit two bombs. He, he's got that type of power bat where he could just fucking change a game in, in two swings which he would have yesterday if you guys would have gotten pitching. Yeah, including the first one that went the other way. I'm forgetting, I actually wasn't watching the second one. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know if the second one was uh, was more of a pull or straightaway center, but that first one was to right field. It didn't even look like, I, I have no judgment off the bat uh, when watching games on TV now because Altuve is swinging for the fences pretty much every at bat. This looked like he's about to hit four or five home runs in this series, but he only has one to show for it so far. The oppo shot that Young hit, it just looked like a fly out to right field, but yeah, that carrying and eventually made it over the fence. Yeah, it shows you the backspin that he hits a ball with and just how strong he is. He's one of those guys that you're right. It doesn't look like, you know, Trout will hit a bunch of those where it's just like, dude, you hit that out? 
Judge hits those. I mean, those are the types of hitters we're talking about. Not that Young's at that level yet, but he's got that type of just natural, stupid pop. In fairness, Aaron Judge oftentimes is hitting pop-ups to right field, but yeah, New York, those are homers. Yeah, he hits at 315 feet. Bye-bye. <laughs> so do you think Texas wins one of the next two games? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I think they, they go up 3-2. Mm-hmm. And... I, 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 I'll stand by it. I think this thing goes seven. And at that point, it's anyone's fucking game. I mean, at that point, you can predict all you want, but there's no, unless there's an obvious starting pitching advantage, but it'll be Johnny, Johnny staff at that point. You get all 13 guys, maybe outside of the game six starter to help you out. And both lineups have proven they can get hot. They can get cold. They've got some guys that are spinning. They got some guys that look like they're really seeing the ball well. But, yeah, I'm predicting this to go seven, which is, you know, I know it kills all y'all, but for all of us that either like both teams or just like baseball and just want to see a good series, that that's exactly what I want. I, I don't want this thing to end. I wish it would go 15. I want, a little, I want a little bit more chippiness in this series, though. I'm a little surprised. Yeah, it's almost like that, that they're, they're so focused on what they're doing. We definitely got that in the regular season. That was fantastic, and I think that's probably why a lot of – People even nationally were excited about this because it's rare that in maybe more so in baseball, but it is rare, more rare to me at the pro level that the teams really, really hate each other. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're shaking hands and hugging after games and trading jerseys and, and, you know, it's just, look, we're, we're professionals. That's what we do. You know, if this was football, these guys would not be trading jerseys after the game. No, it's second to soccer in terms of the ridiculousness of that. But then again, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander were teammates earlier this season. Yeah, apparently, though, there are rumors they didn't get along that well. Oh, really? Well, maybe Max Scherzer should just walk over to the Astros dugout and punch Verlander square in the nose then. I mean, it's a New York Post, so take it for what it is. But um, the New York Post can get TMZ on sports shit like that. But yeah, I I mean, I heard that from a couple people that Apparently, I mean, I don't think they hated each other, but they were not tight buddies. Who would you rather hang out with, Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer? Probably Verlander. Scherzer, Scherzer just seems like a like a hard ass to me, and the eyes would would screw me up. (laughs) I mean, I don't like hanging around certain shepherds that have those eyes. They just, they just seem, they just seem there's something haunted going on there. It's not only the color of the eyes, but also he's got like a Don Knotts, almost serial killer, you know, where, where everything's super intense. And it's like, dude, how many, how many migraines do you get a week? Just, just relax a little bit. And Verlander seems like he'd be fun just to chill with. Maybe he'd bring boobs over, um, jugs over, and I could look at her, talk with her. You're like, you either have a thyroid problem or there is something a little bit off with you. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's one of the things that makes him a really good pitcher. And who knows? He may be one of those guys that Verlander may be a complete fucking bore and Scherzer may be fun to go hang out with. I mean, I've never met either. I don't know anyone who knows him, but this is all me just on the surface. What about you? I'm guessing Scherzer because you're a Rangers fan, right? No, probably Verlander. Okay. Is Kate Upton? Yeah, hang yeah. out too. Jugs, Jugs will be there. 
Oh, I thought you were talking about, see, all, all these baseball guys have wives with Jugs. I thought you were talking about Scherzer's wife. Uh, yes, J- Jugs is there, then yes, Verlander. Okay. All right. We're good on that. Uh, do you uh, think this season- It does feel like whichever of these teams wins this series is uh, walking into a buzzsaw with the Philadelphia Phillies who uh, resume, resume their NLCS with the Arizona Diamondbacks, the D-backs tonight. Uh, things can change quickly in baseball. We've talked about that a lot over these last couple of weeks. But uh, are you getting getting the feeling that Philly sweeps Arizona over the next couple of days? Yes. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, 10-0. I think it finished at 10-0. That was just an ass-kicking. And, and look, Arizona's come. <clears throat> it's amazing how far they've gotten. They're at their, you know, talk about the Rangers just being happy to be there. Arizona's really at the beginning of their run. Mm-hmm. You know, you bring in a Tommy fam who's not a, a a kiddo anymore, but they've got so many young guys, Carol, Thomas, go through the whole list. I mean, hell, even Gurriel's not that old to where Christian, um, Christian Walker. So they're just getting going, and it almost feels like they've run out of steam. But, you know, I told you I would take Philly before the the final four really started. It's just they, they just have a feel to them right now. And the things that you worry about with them, whether it's Aaron Nola, who's just so up and down for the stuff he has, he's really feeling it. And they've got, you know, I don't love their starting staff, but they can shorten stuff with their bullpen, which is really good. Mm. And their defense, their defense has gotten so much better in a year. Having Parker go to first has really helped out because Bohm feels a lot more comfortable at third. You bring in Trey Turner, who I know that the metrics will tell you in his career probably has not been as consistent as he should be for his talent and his range and arm. But he gives you a lot. Stott's a shortstop with a shortstop arm and has good range at second. And then the outfield, Castellanos has gotten a lot better in right field. Um, They don't have to play Schwarber in left. So Marsh can really run and go get it. And they've got primarily just a defensive center fielder. They, they've, they've come a long way defensively. And then obviously the way they can just ambush you with first ball fastballs. And so many of those guys can go yard. And, and you also can't discount just how big of a home field advantage that is, which does play into it. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. All right. The, oh gosh, I guess the um, D-backs mlb.com right now that came not, not, I, I think it's tomorrow mm, no that is that is happening here in about uh 30 minutes philly arizona oh shit you're right i you know i get it they're trying to give people opportunities to watch both games can, can we just put both of these matchups on in the evening please there's no reason to be playing championship series games in the late afternoon just put them all in at six or seven o'clock locally and let everybody else deal. There is enough technology now with DVR and things like that, that if somebody really wants to record the game and go back and watch it, they can. If the other game is on. Yeah. Uh, uh, one more little nitpick too, by the way, because I have not watched as much baseball as you have in the last few years. I don't know if this is just a cutesy little playoff thing or something. I know, I know where you're going with this. Something that's happening on the regular. This is like the director of a basketball broadcast insisting on going with that camera of the guy sitting at courtside and thinking that is a good view for people watching at home 
to see what's happening on a play, why in the fuck are you using that shitty umpire camera to have people try and figure out what the hell is going on when a pitch is live? At best, that is a bad instant replay camera. Stop giving us that look whenever a guy is throwing a pitch. They try and get too cute, man. They try and get too cute. And I'm completely with you. Live, never use it. You figure this out. You have figured out what a round wheel does for your sport. Every other camera that you have access to, incredible for bringing people the most amazing replays. Stop it. You are not some creative genius. You're not the Beethoven of TV production. You're an asshole who is confusing the rest of us by giving us a shitty view on a live pitch. I'm totally with you. And you never do it live. Um, and occasionally, once in a blue moon, do it, do it on a replay, but also have a reason to do it on a replay. Because yes. the, the one thing that does give you, Trey, is especially for all the people that, you know, dumbasses that, you know, man, I can get up there and get a hit. No, you couldn't. Um, you want to see what 101 two-seamer burying in on your hands looks like? Here it is. So if a guy's got a sinker or a two-seamer or a big-time slider or a splitty, and you can really see the movement and what this guy's having to see when the split finger's coming in at 97 and you're looking for one-on-one four-seamer and it just goes, ooh, like, you know, like a penance on Coke. Tie that in full circle. Um, and it just drops off the table. Yeah, okay. And But you got to also let them know, you know, Boy, what a pitch right there. That Look at that two-seamer really coming in on him, and, and this is what he saw. But occasionally, and they never do it with that. They just do it just to throw it in there. And they throw it in there live, which you should never do it live. No, never, never, never do it live. And by the way, it doesn't even work most of the time as a replay. No. Because it's connected to that guy's head, and if he's doing his job right, He's looking down when the pitch comes in to try and track the pitch to see if it was a ball or a strike. Yeah, funny enough, the only one it really works with is Angel Hernandez because he's usually looking in right field. <laughs> well done there. Uh, how does that guy still have a job? That that is, and there may be an obvious answer to that, but but that is ridiculous. What's the obvious answer? He has pictures of Rob Manfred dressing up in drag. No, he'd filed a suit against um, against the MLB for racism, but this is not racism. Uh, this is, in fact, it's it's discrimination against all the other. I'm sure there are tons of Latino umpires who are pretty damn fucking good and would certainly be better than you. We can do a swap one for one if you want, but I don't care what race you are. You don't need to be calling games. And look, I've said the same thing about some white umpires too, but he's he's taking the cake. Yeah, who was the uh, guy? Who was the Windlestat? No, it was the uh, the, the pig faced. He was a white umpire, so I'm not uh, I'm not being racist here. I'm just calling a guy out for being shitty as his job. Was it Steve Crawford? Who was the guy? He had the big jowls. Oh yeah, yeah. He was yeah, like forty yeah. pounds overweight. Yeah, he. Uh, I think it was him and not Angel Hernandez who made a point of uh, of tossing Adrian Beltre from a game a few years ago because he wasn't standing exactly on the on deck circle, like he was standing to 
like a little bit more towards like the back of the backstop than he was standing right on the on deck circle. Wasn't Joe Crawford? That's an NBA ref. Oh, was that when Beltre moved moved the circle? Yeah, that was fucking hilarious. I mean, I I already liked Adrian Beltre, but that just kind of clinched it for me. Yeah, it's like Adrian Beltre is one of those guys who is constantly having fun playing a game that needs a little bit more fun infused into it. And you're going to try and fuck with him right there for some show of power, you fucking mall cop. Yeah. Get back on your segue and go through the gate in center field, motherfucker. That's exactly what it is. Look, I mean, a lot just like mall cops or security guards, uh, I know there's a need for them, but a lot of times people are drawn into certain jobs because of, you know, and hell, real cops, you know, w- with the with the real cops that we have that we've had issues with. A lot of times that's power. Joe West. Good Believe call, it to Ike. Ike. Thank you, Ike. Good call, Ike. Yeah. Joe West. Joe West was awful. He was terrible. And Angel yeah, Hernandez was is worse, too, by the way. Who? Angel Hernandez is worse than Joe West. Yeah, which which is hard. I mean, a- Angel keeps on one-upping himself. Yeah. he does. It's almost like he's playing a game with everybody yeah. at this point. Yeah, I'm not buying it anymore. Uh, you know, it's one thing to make honest mistakes, but some of these are just getting too far. I mean, hell, even like the check swing he called on Harper. Did you see that towards the end of the year? Yeah, I did. That was absurd. That wasn't even close. No. I, I know check swings are tough. So if it's 50-50, like, I usually don't get on a guy. That's almost an impossible call. When the bat barely even breaks, and I don't mean breaking the plane, I mean, he, he it was like that. It wouldn't, it was not close. And, and he rang, rang him up. I was glad Harper got after his ass. Another baseball broadcast production, Nit. Why are we no longer showing the replay every time a check swing is called for? That is simple. It's gotta have simple. It. Yep, gotta have it every time. Yes, it's like when a guy toe taps in the end zone, and even right. though they confirm it on replay that it was a good catch, you still show the replay. Yeah, it was that close of a play. This is not yeah. difficult here, people. There's a close foul in basketball that you can't tell or a charge. Yep. You get a replay, but that <laughs> probably helps answer the question though. Is that they don't want to provide any additional heat on jobs that are already dealing with a ton of pressure. So to have one more reason or one more piece of ammo to direct at a shitty umpire, a shitty referee, a shitty line judge, whatever it is, it's like maybe they're trying to protect those guys. That's the only thing that I can come up with because otherwise, why would you not be showing it every time? Maybe they took the job. That's part of the job. So It is a part of the job. And it's a really good job. You get paid really well. You don't work the whole year. Um, it's a pretty good gig. And by the way, Angel Hernandez, it's not racism. It may be discrimination, but it's discrimination against somebody who sucks at the fucking job. Yeah, I would say it's, it's actually happened. I would say it's actually racist against Latinos. Because there's a lot of good umpires. And from college to pros, I knew knew some in college that were really, really good fucking umpires that would destroy Angel Hernandez. You know, at that point, it's like, dude. Get out of our club, bro. You're giving us a bad name. Now, it shouldn't give anyone a bad name, but he's the one who's bringing it up and saying, well, this is, you know, it's like, and I, I can only imagine all the umpires of every race are just shaking their head. They're thinking, man, no, you suck. And we all know it. And you you give all of us a bad name. So 
Although he probably does take a little heat off some of these guys. He does. He does. That is interesting. You say that because he does serve as that lightning rod, right? You know, I mean, it, it's great whenever you could never be the worst person in your office, like, like, ah, not not doing well at all, just not really that productive. Um, but Tim's still here, so I mean, it's like a group of sixes who hangs out with the two, yeah, or yeah. even a group of fours who hangs out with the two. Right. The fours look like sixes. I, I'm totally with you, by the way. I brought this up, I think, with BK the other day. Get these fucking guys out of the dugouts. There's no reason to be conducting. There's no reasons to be conducting interviews in the middle of games with players. I get it that you allow the managers to throw on the headset during a game in between innings. Maybe even a starting pitcher if he doesn't have any responsibility that day. But come on, man. Can we stop interviewing Jose Altuve, right after he's been at bat, even if he hit a home run. Well, why not? Do we, do we need that much access? Do it Do it in between innings. Do it the next time, because Altuve would have just been up, and when he comes back, he may be sixth or seventh in the lineup. Do it in between innings, and do the same thing with the coaches. I mean, I've noticed that that's not just a baseball thing. They're now interviewing coaches like in between the third and fourth quarter. Yeah. You're right. You know, it's like, I mean, I, look, I mean, there's part of me that likes the accents, but part of me also that thinks, hey, wait till after the game. That's the issue right there. What what do you need? What is so important to ask right now that you are taking this guy's focus away from whatever's happening on the field, his teammates, just zoning out for a few minutes versus having to answer another fucking stupid question? Yeah, and I wouldn't want to give too much. I heard, I think it was Bryson Stott. It was someone for the Phillies. This is earlier in the playoffs. And they they asked him, well, what'd you, you know, what'd you see there? And he's like, well, he's been living with the fastball, and I was looking slider, and I got it. I don't want to tell anyone that in-game. Hell, I don't want to tell you after the game because I may face a guy again. Um, so I'm not giving you any trade secrets to give Ken some wood. And that is how he gets erect. No, oh, yeah, no, no. Ken, Ken definitely fantasizes about Mike Trout and probably a little Mookie Betts in there whenever he's doing the solitaire. Oh, I can't believe Shohei's interpreter just told me that. Oh, my God. What do you think Shohei's interpreter makes? Oh, he's got to be, well... It's a number that probably goes up this offseason. I was about to say, whatever it is, double it. Decently into the six figures? Like two, three hundred thousand, you think? Yeah, it's probably what I would think. I mean, he's with them all the time. All the time. So it's one of those. And first off, the interpreter, I've thought about that. That's going to be like a really good buddy. I mean, I would have to like have you learn Russian or Mandarin wherever I'm going and be like, Hey buddy, you got to learn this shit. All right. I'm going to pay you well, but I can't just have some, some random dude I'm hanging out with the whole time. Because there is a trust that is required for that job. Oh, a trust. Yeah. That's the other thing. If I say something, if I'm post game and, and, and uh, you're, you're doing the Mandarin, uh, let's go Cantonese. You're, you're, uh, you're giving the, the uh, interpretation and I fucking, you know, I'm pissed off and you know it. And I go, you know what? I mean, fuck those guys. Uh, you could go, 
Well, Kevin said, you know, he's not happy with the performance. Um, and he's frustrated, a little frustrated. You can probably see it on the face. Hopefully none of y'all speak English. Um, but yeah, he um uh, he essentially just said he's not real happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you, you gotta protect him that way. When you go out, when Shohei goes out for sushi or goes out in, maybe not sushi, but goes out anywhere to eat, you got to be that guy. Plus, you've got to mix in some inside jokes here and there when you can, because Shohei knows enough English at this point. There's probably certain things where he says it in Japanese and you give the English translation, you give him a little bit of a wink. I give you a little bit of a wink after I've interpreted your Cantonese and, uh, you just give me a little bit of a smirk back because you know, yeah, we're, we're playing our own little game, much like a- Angel Hernandez. No doubt, L- little little uh, tip of the cap. Although I don't think Shohei's there yet, but and by the way, can you imagine that? Like for any anyone who is thinks, man, that's kind of rough English. Imagine coming from Dominican, or and that that's easier because they're 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 truly Latin based languages. But like coming from Japan, speaking Japanese, I dated a Japanese girl and a woman in New York from Osaka. Osaka's are crazy. That's like the Austin compared to Tokyo being the Dallas. Hmm. But when they would speak Japanese, it's it's so far away to come and have to learn English. Like that is so damn hard. So I don't know. I'm always impressed when any of these guys, and I've seen a couple of these guys, um, Spanish speakers, Try and go out there now and 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 you know and give it a roll, give it a shot. Not only are you speaking a completely foreign language, you're doing it on national TV. Yeah, like, where people are going to go way overboard with the value they're putting on your words too. Yeah, right, man. You need to get your English better. Fuck you. How's your Spanish, dude? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually, it's pretty, it's pretty cool to watch the growth. I'm not sure Shohei is is there yet. I think he actually really does need an interpreter. But you know, Ichiro spoke English for a long time. And never let anybody know. He kept using the interpreter, yeah. People around him knew. Because people that play the game are like, oh, Uch- Uch- Ichiro speaks pretty good English. Like, he just doesn't want to, which is a great excuse. I would do that too, right? You don't, you don't have to talk to the media that much or as much. It's a great, great move by Ichiro. Baseball has some great inside baseball, a lot of inside baseball things. I mean, that's where the term comes from, obviously, inside baseball. Now, one of those great inside baseball things, and I know this from Jeff Perlman's book last year on Bo Jackson, is that (laughs) I I don't know how I'm equating this to what you just said about Ichiro, but Bo Jackson was apparently extremely well endowed to the point that he would play ping pong with it in the dugout before or after games. Ping pong? And win points. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad he had a stuttering problem. You can't can't get everything, Bo. But he got over that. Like Bob Love. I wonder if Bob Love was well endowed. Probably. It was Bob Love. Bob Love. Chicago Bull, baby, back in the day? No clue. Is it Butterbean Love? Hmm. That's before Jordan and all them. But I, I figured just you being in Chicago, you would have 
run into Bob Love, but he had, he had an, he had an awful stuttering problem, and so, so did Bill Walton. All three of those guys did a really good job. It, they're good examples to, to kids out there or adults who stutter that, and you, you can definitely work on it and get better and, and and get over that. Bill Walton had a lisp and a stuttering problem. Oh, his stuttering problem at UCLA. Go Ooh. back and watch some of the clips. It was. I think Love was the worst from stuff I've seen. Bo had a bad one. But yeah, Walton Walton had the lisp and that. Mm. Bill Walton used to play, Bill Walton used to play, he used to play tennis with his ding dong. Who did? did Bill Walton? Bill Walton did, yeah. That maybe helps explain some of the lower body issues that he's suffering from in modern <laughs> times. Oh, Mike says God. Bo knows dong. CB says Bo knows ping pong. Yes, very well done, gentlemen. God, I mean, it's funny. Did we, did we help Walton's list? Probably, <laughs> probably relax them. Um, it's funny because we're seeing it now with Dion. And I mean, Dion for me as a player was, you know, primetime was a huge deal when we were kids. Bo Jackson was bigger, I think. Oh, yeah. Like Bo, Bo Jackson was as big as Michael Jordan in the late 80s. Yeah. Bo, uh, Dion had, Dion was flashy and Dion was certainly well known too, but Bo Jackson was the better two sport player. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree with that. Um, cause he was, he would have been better at baseball. Um, and look, he was a hell of a running back. The Raiders didn't use him well. Remember they had Marcus Allen yeah. and of course, Al Davis wanted to throw, 50 deep shots a game with his, well, track, with his track stars. I was about to say all of his wide receivers were running for the Olympic track team in the off season. So yeah, James jet, Alexander, Wright, Um, Tim Brown was the only non-track guy on that team. They obviously brought in rocket. I mean, they, they, that's what they did, but yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, Dion was just, Dion's a better football player though. Uh, Dion was a lockdown corner for a long time. God, Bo was so good as a running back, though, when he was given opportunities. Here's the other issue for Bo, too, though, with football. This is also it's, like, it's, it's incomplete, so we don't know, right? Well, it's not just incomplete, but there are lots of examples of Bo not giving a shit about football, too. Like, even going back to his time at Auburn, where he was a complete no-show, where it's like he wasn't putting the work in and practice, and some guys can put get away with that. Some guys can still go out there and perform but he would no show in practice and then he would be completely absent in the game too. Leaving everybody wondering what happened with this guy who is a Heisman trophy caliber player. Yeah. So there were, there were some moments like that in football too. Now, obviously the hip injury changed everything. And I think his recovery from the hip injury and his ability to still play baseball for several years afterwards shows just how much of a freak he was physically. But yeah, it it is. Uh, he gets an eye on the uh, the football side of things. Unfortunately for him, he was on those White Sox teams of the early '90s. He was played right field, DH, wore number eight. I'll never forget the first homer he hit after coming back. But that was weird because that injury just did not look like it was going to be that debilitating. Mm-mm. You know, I mean, it didn't look good, but it, it we've seen a lot worse injuries where you go, "Oh God, is this guy ever going to walk again?" And it wasn't Joe Theismann. No, oh no. Or, or Willis McGahee. And you just thought, oh shit. Napoleon McCallum. Yeah, they're Napoleon that good call on that. Willis McGahee. Yep. 
Do you remember the last team that Bo played for before retiring from baseball? With the White Sox, obviously Royals, White Sox. Um, no, I don't. Alex Smith's another good one, CB. The California Angels. Oh, my God. I think really? He, I believe he retired in spring training, but he may have actually played part of a season with them, too. And it might have been the strike-shortened year that he played. And then that next spring training is when he retired. I forget what the order was. But, yeah, he retired an angel. That's weird. Yeah. Well, just one of those footnotes in the history of somebody that famous that guys don't always retire with the team that you connect them to. And while people will talk about it spoiling the legacy of a guy just because he doesn't stick with one team for his entire career, like we can joke about MJ on the Wizards, but that doesn't change the fact that he was able to accomplish that much greatness with the Bulls. No. It's with the Cardinals, Joe Montana with the Chiefs. Like guys can move on and it's it's okay and their legacy will still remain intact even if we are for whatever reason sweating it in the moment. Emmett Smith with the Cardinals. Did Dorsett retire with the Broncos? He well, definitely I, played for the Broncos. I forget if he retired for the Broncos or not. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean it's a, just you know, it's the way it way it works. And I mean that that's one of those that it's a lot easier for me to deal with at my age or as an adult than it was at 11 years old. Remember how remember how hard you took losses? I mean, the Texas OU game still stings. They have everything in front of them, so it doesn't sting as much. It'll sting more if they lose a game, and I'll look back on it. But I would still be miserable from that game two weeks ago. I, you know, fucking miserable. I mean, I, I would have been – it just would have – it would have wrecked everything. I didn't feel good about it, but I got up the next morning, rode my bike, met some friends, laughed. It was like, eh. I need to preface this by saying that this is not a shot at anybody. I assure you, like Uh it's more, it's more an observation, but I saw people on Twitter on the Tuesday or Wednesday after the OU game saying on Twitter, I am just now over the Oklahoma loss. I apologize if I was rude to you over the last couple of days. I get it. I, I'm, I read I'm, that and I'm like, good for you for recognizing and apologizing, I guess. I do not fucking understand holding on to a loss like that for three days at my age. But I'm also in the weird position of having to cover and talk about this stuff for a living, too. I Maybe that skews my perspective on it. I think once you do this for a living, it's one of the things you remember I told you I was glad to leave ESPN and Longhorn Network. Had a good time there. Definitely learned a lot. Thought we did some good work. But when when you're that into it, and radio is a little different because I can give opinions, you know, whereas I couldn't at ESPN. Yeah. And you know that that bothered me. But also like being a play-by-play guy and covering a team and doing every single game. You can't carry the losses. No. You, you, you'll be fucking miserable, especially when Texas was struggling in all those sports. would have been miserable 10 months out of the year. And, and it's also my life. Not only my – it's going to be my life anyway because I will always just watch Texas sports, and it will always mean something to me. But, yeah, I, th- I think that's a lot of it. I think getting older, 
you know, um, getting more perspective on stuff, uh, getting scar tissue. Uh, you, you know, there are kids right now that that was their first loss. They don't remember Crabtree. They don't remember the 90 Cotton Bowl. They don't remember, um, hell, Georgia in, in the Cotton Bowl in 84, right? They they don't remember, you know, which that didn't – I mean, I, I remember watching it, but I didn't, you know, it was really the next couple of years where I really kind of knew what I was watching. But, yeah, we've got – look, I mean – College baseball, 85, Miami at seven. I mean, I, that was set up for me to, to say, hey, you're never going to have anything tougher than this, right? So whoever you root for, if you're a Falcons fan, if you're an Atlanta fan, it's like the Braves during that whole run of the eight straight NLCSs. We're up 28-3, right? I mean, every fan base has that. And the older you get, you, you create the scar tissue, which definitely makes you a more bitter person but also can help out with losses like that because you've been through them. It's it, when your heart's broken the 11th time, it's not like that first love the first time. Well, sports is valuable for so many reasons for adults. Sure. But especially for kids for that exact, for what you just laid out right there, where it's learning how to deal with losses and with shitty news and with, things not going like you would hope they would at the start of the season. Like both my kids experienced sports tears for the first time this last year. Now, unfortunately it was with college basketball and I go into the whole spiel about college basketball being a shell of itself from 20 to 25 years ago. And then I start care about that though. They don't know that it's a shell of itself. And then I start playing replays of you on the radio 15 years ago, talking about it. And they're like, dad, what the fuck? Like, why, why are you doing this to us right now? But uh, they they cried tears whenever Texas basketball lost to Miami in the elite, elite eight. But they also got to experience their first true sports joy in terms of, no, not Texas OU. Last year's a Texas OU game that they were actually at and asking to leave halfway through the first quarter or halfway through the second quarter when it's like, oh, this is going to be such a beautiful blowout, though. And we left by the end of the third quarter. Cause I wanted to go ride more rides at the state fair. How dare they have their priorities all fucked up. I know. But stop, they, being, uh, stop being a kid, you little pieces of crap. Yeah. But their spur- first sports joy this, uh, I guess technically it was last year was the volleyball team winning a national oh, championship. Cool. And it was cool. so cool. Like it was fun to watch Texas win a national championship, but it was way more enjoyable for me. Cause I got to watch my kids enjoy it too. Just like weirdly masochistically, it was kind of fun watching Texas lose to Miami because I got to watch my kids go through that heartbreak for the very first time. What's wrong Look, with you? I know there's something wrong with me. Calvin the other day suffered a nasty spill on his bike. Now I did. You told me about this. I did say that's good for him. You did, and it is. And guess what? Today is the first time it really came back up since he stopped limping and. The uh, the huge scrape on his knee is scabbed over now, and the bruises on his elbow and his he's got one on his chin and one on his cheek. Like it was a bad spill that he took because he got going really fast and decided to take a corner really quickly. And as many of us know, when you do something like that, you you will not stay on your bike. You will fall, and it is likely going to hurt. So he hasn't been back on his bike since then. This morning. We're asking both of them how they want to get to school today. Do they want to walk? Do they want to drive partway? Do they want to take their scooters? Or do they want to bike? And at first, he was completely resistant to biking. And I said, why don't you want to bike? 
He said, because I don't want to hurt myself again. I said, you know what? That's totally understandable. That's a but, smart answer, too. <laughs> I mean, think about it like this. No, he, he's right. That that is that it's completely rational to yeah. say something like that at any age, but especially at seven. But I said, think about it like this. You were literally riding a bike at the age of four before your sister was riding a bike, not just in terms of when she decided to start riding a bike, like he was able to ride a bike two years younger than her before she was. And she eventually did it like a week later because she was motivated by her brother riding a bike for the very first time. Wow. I said, you are a really good bike rider, but guess what? Even people who are really good at stuff, things don't always go perfectly for them. It is so important for you to figuratively get back on that bike and ride again. And literally in this instance, it's important for you to get back on that bike to gain that confidence back while also being armed with the knowledge that you now have. That is, you can't go flying around corners as fast as you're going straight line and expect to stay on top of that bicycle. Yeah. So I go take my bike up to their school just now to pick them up before three o'clock and don't say anything. Like just, you know, give them the typical greetings, ask them how they're doing and whatnot. We bike home. We get home. I asked him, did you fall off your bike? He said, no. I said, cool. Do you feel more comfortable on top of the bike now? Yes. You feel even better on top of your bike now than you did before you fell. He said, yes. I said, well, congratulations, son. I am extremely proud of you right now because there was probably a little bit of fear in your head of getting back on that bike with how bad you got hurt a couple of days ago. You have just gotten over a major hurdle that some people never get over and just understand that falling off the bike sucks, but there are lessons to be had and you will grow stronger if you were able to overcome whatever fear in the moment to get back on top of that bicycle. Now you saved yourself after laughing when they lost to Miami. I'm more just pissed off that, you know, you, you were laughing at the loss to Miami. I, I really liked that Texas basketball team last year. That was it one, wasn't, that was, it, it that was one of my favorite like teams out, of the It wasn't like outwardly laughing at them, but I, it was more understand. like it was more like a chuckle of holy shit. Like you're you're getting to experience these tears that I've experienced numerous times in my life, including over Texas basketball, fucking Houston Oilers against the Buffalo Bills back in the early 90s. Texas football, way too many times to count. Nelson Cruz. I didn't cry tears for that. I, you know, it's really hard for me to cry sports tears as an adult. Like even when Texas football won that national championship, I didn't cry happy tears. I was happy, but I didn't cry tears. I don't know if I'll ever cry tears, maybe over my kids' sports. Uh, if they continue I... to play sports. I don't think I'll ever cry tears over a professional or college team the rest of my life. I don't know if I cried. Um, I doubt it. I just don't cry when I'm happy a lot. Hey, is the game starting right now? You don't cry when you're happy a lot? Did you cry when the Cubs won the World Series? No. I hung out with Brian Stubbs. We're lifelong Cubs fans, and we went out and went to go watch it and just got rip-roaring drunk um, <laughs> and just talked about, you know, our Cub fandom our whole life and Talked about Nanny being dying at 93 and living in Chicago her whole life and never seeing the Cubs win one. Um, and that's why people cry in moments. Yeah, like yeah. If I would have, it would have been more that, like, oh, man, Nanny wasn't able to see this, you know, and Aunt Wilma wasn't able to see this. And they were so instrumental when I would go to Chicago, taking me to Cubs games or, you know, 
take me to the Cubs store and, you know, buy me some T-shirt or something like that. You know, I mean, I went to a Cubs game one time and I got I was totally decked out like Cubs shirt, Cubs hat, Cubs watch, Cubs shoelaces, Cubs sweatpants. Remember, because I, I was wearing sweatpants as a kid. You and me both. We would have yeah. been friends in sixth grade. Um, and I mean, I, I was in, bro. Like I was all in. But, you know, it's like your aunt or grandma spoiling you. Like my, my parents would never just take me out and buy stuff. And I'm glad they did. Yeah. I remember coming home one time and saying, you know, especially where I was going to school, my parents did not act like that, which once again, I'm glad. But when you're at that age and a kid, I was like, mom, how come we never go back to school shopping? Like all these kids have new clothes on and new shoes. And she goes, cause you don't need new clothes. It's like when your shoes wear out, we'll get you some new shoes. She goes, when you outgrow your clothes, we'll get you some new clothes. Because your clothes are fine. You don't need an upgrade. You're fucking nine. You don't need an upgrade every year, okay? It's amazing I turned out the way I did. Seems rational to me. By the way. Very rational. You being decked out, head to toe, and Cubs everything. That's okay for an elementary school age kid to be decked out. Yeah, I was nine or ten. There are adults that do that where they're decked out head to toe representing their favorite team. We call them Texas A&M fans. I know Texas fans that do that. I've got no problem with that, man. Are you kidding I've got me? a problem with that. If you're 40 years old and you're decked out head to toe in UT shit, fucking relax, you old man. All right. They're they're not hurting anybody. They just look Thank like Thank you. And it's more, it's more would that be something I would have laughed at at 18? Absolutely. At 45 now, the bar's really low. Oh, fuck you. You are. The bar's really low. Put your fucking blinker on. Keep your head up. Stop looking at the phone. Don't be an asshole. Park (laughs) right. Treat people right. Stop stealing shit. Stop mugging people. That, that's my, that's my baseline. You beat that, we're good. You can dress up like Howdy Doody for all I fuck. I'm calling bullshit. If you and I are hanging out, we see some we see some 45 year old that's decked out head to toe in Texas Tech gear. We're fucking we are mocking that person. Oh, oh I didn't say I didn't say I wouldn't <laughs> mock them. I mock my parents all the time. Doesn't mean I don't love them. But uh okay. but yeah, no, no. I mean I I will I'm Irish. I'll, I'll mock almost anything, uh, including myself all the time. And oh yeah. So hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna tape this thing here. Um, will you do like a minute or two of ads? Yeah. Uh, the game, the game's starting now, right? I didn't know it was, I didn't know it was today. What is yeah, it on? Run, run in and tape it. I will uh, look at some comments while you do so. Uh, TBS. What's that? TBS. Uh, hold on. Let me double check that. It is. Yes. TBS. Houston, Texas is FS1. All right. Well, Kevin goes to tape. Philly, Arizona, taking a look at the YouTube comments line. Mary Faye says, I was in the Longhorn Band for the 78 Cotton Bowl. Most of us cried all the way back to Austin on the bus. Sorry, Mary Faye, you're going to have to remind me what happened in the 78 Cotton Bowl. Um, Ruse, goofy, growing, is laughing at Cubs everything. Yeah, that was pretty funny. CB says, we just passed the 20th anniversary of Bartman. Yes, Chicago, the city of Chicago blaming Bartman for the Cubs melting down like they did. 
unfortunate moment for Steve Bartman was forced to go into hiding after that. I believe he got a ring when the Cubs won a world series. That was a nice gesture by them, but he wants to keep his anonymity if he can. And uh, kudos to the company that he worked for also insisting on maintaining his anonymity. Yes. The 20th anniversary of Bartman, one of the most infamous moments for a fan interfering with the play on the field. Jose says, Trey and KD, love the show. What is the best burger you've had in Austin? Mine is an Odd Duck. It's been a while since I've been to Odd Duck, Jose. Was a big fan of Odd Duck the last time I went there. But again, it's been like five plus years. If you missed Kevin say it earlier, this is my answer too. Hayes City Store has the best burger in the city. Their bacon jam burger is out of this world. I said the word infamous with Bartman. It is famous. It's not infamous. It's famous in a positive manner. Check it out. They do great food top to bottom of that menu, but that bacon jam burger is something special. And CB, yeah, Texas basketball hadn't done shit in 15 years until this last March. It's why it was uh, fitting, I guess, that uh, I got to watch my kids cry about it. Mary Faye, I appreciate it. Such a good dad. I'm a good dad in some ways. In other ways, I'm probably really screwing my kids up, but that's the good with the bad, right? 78 Cotton Bowl. Still don't like Joe Montana. 1984 Cotton Bowl. I was really disappointed when my cousin went to Georgia. I was at both of those games. Texas lost both of those games. I've actually heard Jeff Ward talk about the Georgia game because I think he was, I think he maybe missed a field goal in that game that uh, helped the Longhorns to lose that one. But uh, Mary Faye at both of those games, she said she shed tears of sadness for both of those games as a member of the band for the 78 game against Notre Dame. Wow. Lost to Notre Dame after going undefeated all season. Basically lost the natty in 78. Yeah. Your sports tears are understandable in that moment. Yeah. I mean, Texans lost the natty in 83, but 84 would have been the... um would have been the um what's his name why why am i forgetting his name who who dropped the punt um i think it's alliteration what is it it's uh god i i never do this oh man johnny johnson um no wouldn't no wouldn't johnny johnson um uh, why am i forgetting it um i don't know all right someone will, someone will help me out here can't believe I'm forgetting his name, but um, but yeah, I mean that that was a defensive game, and I mean you know the funny thing about Fred Akers, Fred Akers would have won. Fred Akers would have a statue right now if Stephen, if um, if he would have hired an offensive coordinator. It's amazing just the way how conservative football was played back then compared to now. I mean Dan Lanning, who probably goes a little bit too far, Dan Lanning would be would be thought of as a psycho back then yeah um, i mean you know like like with jim i mean jimbo has a lot of that still in him where he'll punt on the opponent's fucking 44 yard line on fourth and two like come on man yeah you know jimbo landing and jimbo are both similarly wrong with how they go about things i i agree with that there, like, there's there, a, there are people who had no problem with oregon going for it on fourth down like they did in the game last weekend like that was far from an automatic in that situation. Wasn't that like a third and four or a fourth and four, excuse me? Like that was not that was not just half a yard to go there. 
And you yeah. were at midfield too with a Washington offense that it obviously only took them a couple of plays to get back into the end zone to take that lead. I don't know. I, you know, I've watched Brandon Staley completely screw the Chargers out of way too many victories over the last three years now. And I get that Justin Herbert, Craig was, Curry. Sorry. Craig Curry. I told you alliteration. Yeah. Craig mm-hmm. Curry. Um, and, and Justin Herbert has had some bad, but he's also had some good over the last few years. Like Brandon Staley being his head coach is screwing the Chargers out of capitalizing on some of Herbert's potentially most productive years because he is such a moron when it comes to situational football. And he's yeah. gotten better at it in the last few years because he is kicking more field goals now. But it was like watching Tom Herman here for the three to four years that he was in Austin where he continued to insist on not ever referring to his kicker and punter by their names, but also not respecting the three points in a situation where it's like your team hasn't been a good fourth down team all year long and you continue to lose games by one score or in some cases one to two points where that field goal would have come in handy at the end. Yep. No, you can go both sides. Yeah, that that Cowboys-Chargers game was not exactly Tom Landry and Eric Coriel. Yeah, the, the stupid look on Mike McCarthy's face is one of the most amusing thing in, things in football to me right now, especially when they're at Jerry World, and he's got to look up to try and get the replay yeah. on that massive screen. And it's because he's a fat guy, his mouth just goes up. <laughs> just looks like a complete fucking moron in the moment. And I don't Man, know. I was I was at 98% there. I got rid of Notre Dame USC. I gotta clear some stuff for this weekend. And football season for me, it's always tough, you know, with my DVR, but football season, it's, it's sitting at 98, 99, way too much. Did you give Notre Dame USC numerous watches? Yeah, I wasn't able to watch the first half. um, So I did watch the second half live and then, yeah, I I gave it, I gave it one watch, um, which was enough. I mean, Notre Dame is, is a two loss team, but it was more fun to see see them with USC because Notre Dame still offensively has their issues, but man, USC is their offensive line. I we talked about it last week. I said, it's not just their defense. There's other stuff missing and they just lack physicality. That is a soft program right now. Yeah. Which you, we were never really hearing that out of Oklahoma when Lincoln Riley was in charge there. Like, even though they obviously had their deficiencies defensively, Alex Grinch was good. For OU that first year and that second year, there was uh you saw things starting to slip, but you weren't really questioning their toughness, were you? No, and and I question their toughness on the offensive line. I don't think they've got the personnel, but I also they're just not very physical. I think the biggest change with Lincoln Riley, because with Lincoln's system, even though he does run a lot, it, it could be easy to get soft, but mm-hmm. you've got to have a big time offensive line coach. And Bill Biedenbow is as good as any offensive line coach in college football and has been for a long time. He almost went to USC and OU was able to retain him and keep him. And that, that was, that was huge for OU and also big for USC in a bad way. Yeah. And got to give credit to the OU offensive line. They were really good a couple weeks ago against the Longhorns. They neutralized the, uh, the Longhorns defensive line. And I think Texas schematically was also doing some things that was that, that were just putting themselves at dis- a disadvantage at times too, overloading one side or the other. Yeah, they were. No, I mean, he, he's, he's probably the best offensive line coach out there. And he also teaches holding more than anyone. 
but he's also really good. So if you're an OU fan and you're there, you go, oh, yeah, life's complicated, right? There, there, you know, there are layers in life. Um, it's just like Greg Popovich in the Spurs heyday, teaching his guys how to do some really dirty ass shit that they weren't getting called for. Stepping yeah. under guys and jump shots. I mean, it's stuff that I would, that, that is like, if you're on the playground, straight up getting you into a fight. But on the NBA court, for whatever reason, uh, they could get away with it, causing injuries at times, doing a lot of uh, jersey clutching when you are closely guarding somebody else. But it was a lot of little things that uh, helped them to excel and helped them to be looked at as a really good defensive team, too. God, do you remember how many fights were in the NBA when we were growing up, man? Yeah. I mean, it, and, and I mean real fights. Oh, yeah. Not, you know, I mean, like fights, guys getting their ass knocked out. And or Larry Larry Bird throwing a ball as hard as he can at Bill Lambeer. That was funny. That was awesome. Yeah, Bill Lambeer is probably my my least favorite domer of all time. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, he did play at Notre Dame. Huh. Can't stand him. And who else is on that list for you in terms of Notre Dame guys that you don't like? Well, I mean, it would usually be someone who ended up playing against. a pro team that I like. So that was the bulls going up against them. I mean, you know, I didn't really dislike Adrian Dantley that much, mm. but really any of those Pistons, uh, I was not, not a big fan of. Yeah. Cause Dan- Dantley was one of the least dirty of, of that roster. Yeah, no, he absolutely was. No, I, I didn't like Isaiah. I didn't mind Joe Dumars actually, but Lambeer, so yeah. you know, uh, didn't like, didn't like Rodman until he became a bull. So, you know, that's one of those, you hate them on someone else's team. You love them on your team. Are there any football, Notre Dame football players? See, you're not as not as big of a an NFL guy, though, so probably not. Mm. No, I mean, not, not no one I can really think of. And Notre Dame um, football doesn't have a, a ton of dirty guys that have been in the league over the years either. I'm sure they have, but none that I can think of. Um, yeah. Like people may gripe about Chase Claypool for just giving zero effort with the bears earlier this year. Yeah. Bears are a complete shit show. So in retrospect, it's kind of understandable. And now he's with the dolphins. So he's in a much better situation. Yeah. They're, they're going to be able to utilize that big body. Um, dolphin dolphins are fun to watch. Hey, you know, it should be fun to watch. And one of the reasons I got to clear out, oh, obviously I'm just recording this right now because we'll be on for for next 30 minutes and I want to go back and and see what happened. But I'll get rid of that. But Penn State, Ohio State should be a lot of fun. You know, Tennessee, Alabama may not be the sexiest matchup. And it's funny, that was 52-48 or 49 last year. And the over-under for this game is 48. And I'd probably take the under Mm -hmm. to show you how those two teams have changed in a year. But I don't know if you've seen the Tennessee defensive line. And the Tennessee defensive line, probably with the AM defensive line, are the best ones I've seen in the country this year. Oh, I have not. Tennessee's defensive line is stacked. And Alabama's offensive line, let's see, kind of see how that, that plays out. But um, you know, Joe Milton has not been good. But that that should be a physical game. Washington State, Oregon. Man, you know, we were talking about Cam Ward and how impressive he was. Did you see what happened last week with Washington State? No. 
I mean, other than them getting their asses kicked by Arizona, I didn't see the specifics. Yeah, 44-6? Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it, one thing, I well, I talked about Arizona and how the backup was good and they've got really good receivers. And Arizona is definitely moving in the right direction. But to only score six? What? Yeah. Like, Cam Ward and that offense was flying too high to only score six. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely – Utah USC will be a game to look at. Um, really, a lot of the early games too. Penn State Ohio State is obviously the big game of the weekend, and I feel strangely good about the Nittany Lions pulling off a small upset in Columbus. I do too. I think that could be a defensive game. Ohio State's getting better, and it's always measuring against yourself. So it's like Alabama; they've had such a high level, but. It may not be fair. We should be just comparing him to the rest of, of college football this year in 2023. But I had mentioned how they had gotten for them a little on the soft side. And I think they've turned that around this year. This is a more physical football team. And really it's about Kyle McCord and being able to make plays and, and make those throws when he needs to. But Penn State is loaded. If you look, if you talk to any NFL people, Penn State's got guys all, all over the place, all over the field that could be first, second, third round picks. And really it's going to be how, how good is Drew Allard? You know, I mean, can, can he make some plays? Can he open it up enough? Can they open it up enough and hit on some deep shots to really be able to take advantage of it? I mean, you look at what Michigan did to Ohio State last year. Yeah, in the second half, that was Donovan Edwards. I think Corum was out that game. I think he was. But it was Edwards really popping runs. But the first half, that was about taking deep shots. And they hit them. They hit on like two or three big deep shots. And that's where you can get an aggressive defense like Ohio State. And, uh, I'm, you know, I, I'm really curious. I, I want Penn State to win this game. And I, I don't mind Penn State. I, I'd like to see Penn State, Michigan undefeated for that game. I actually like Allard at quarterback for Penn State. You know who uh, Penn State's D.C. is right now? Yes, I do. Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz, who is in the perfect position when he's a defensive coordinator. I think we've seen this experiment enough to know that Manny Diaz should not be hired in another head coaching gig, but in the right situation, he can be a pretty darn good DC for you. I realize that things went completely sideways for him at Texas, but uh, he's also continued to put skins on the wall since then. And he has that Penn State defense flying around right now, too. I'm not sure if Travion Henderson is playing in this game for Ohio State. He's obviously uh, one of their better weapons, an important part of that rushing attack. He did not play last weekend, which uh, I was not aware of until I was uh, tuning in to that game. Uh, so his status is obviously a big deal in helping Ohio State to establish that ground attack, too. No doubt about it. Um, yeah, Manny, Manny, you're right. Manny's in a good spot there. He, you know, he's been a pretty good DC, obviously at Mississippi State, which is why Texas hired him. Um, he's been a pretty good DC, especially if he's got the right personnel. But there that I mean, trust me, as someone who was talking about covering it every day at LHN, like internally, it was such a shit show that program at that point. And Mac did not help that out either. But I'll say this: Manny Diaz, of all the people I've covered since 1994. In, in the sports media world, I, I've got as much respect for him as I do anyone. Huh. Like he, he was a class act and was an adult. And, you know, in terms of the adult thing, I can't always say that about Mac. I like Mac and, and I think Mac's a good guy. But the reality is Mac could get pretty petulant and whiny and bitchy and childish 
when you were covering him. And Manny Diaz, when that whole thing was blowing up, we did a segment for Longhorn Extra every single week. And he came in and I told, I mean, I had to ask him tough questions and he was a total man about it and took responsibility even for some stuff that he may, maybe didn't need to. But talking to him on the air and off the air, I just gained a ton of respect for who he is just as a man and as an adult. Well, Mac took the CEO thing too far after 2009 with regards to what he was actually doing with the day-to-day operations of the program versus entrusting it to other people. He just got fat and lazy or fat yeah. and happy, however you want to look at that, and unfortunately left the program in a really rotten position when he was dumped and then talked his way back on board for the tiniest bit of time with Steve Patterson, who got the AD job by promising the board of directors that he would do the hard thing and fire Mac before ultimately being forced to step down too. And like, I'm glad, I guess that Mac is finding success at North Carolina, but I am. you are. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just being honest about stuff and, yeah. and, um, Mac at the end of the day was, was pretty good with me and, and, you know, that's just a kind of a character flaw that that he has. But um, I think he probably also learned from that a little bit from what I've heard um, at North Carolina. But the, my, my biggest issue with that was and look, Mac also is the best coach in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think he's better than DKR in terms of the success. But but Mac was Mac saved this program when you and I have been watching it flounder growing up in the 80s and then 90s. It got a little bit better, but. Um, and Makovic did take it to another level. It just needed to be taken to a different level. Mac did so many great things here that I'll always appreciate him for that. The entitlement of the program and chasing off Saban and Mac Brown, Texas football being the URL and him saying, this is mine. No, it's not. This isn't anyone's. This no. isn't Earl's or Ricky's. It's nobody's. It's ours collectively. And, and so, that's hearing, and that's why hearing people, at the end of the Charlie Strong era, or even in the middle of the Charlie Strong era, saying, well, you could have kept Mac Brown, but you chose to cut ties, which forced you to uh, to maybe deal with some issues or took things into a darker place. Things were headed, maybe not that dark of a place, but they weren't going to be going back up anytime soon. Sometimes change is necessary for everyone. Right. I, I never understood that logic. It's, it's the equivalent of saying... So I just got into a new relationship after I divorced my wife. It, it was awful. It was worse than the marriage. Well, you should have stayed married. No, I shouldn't have. That was awful too. Um, yeah. And it was it, it was really headed in a wrong direction. I, I could tell that it was toxic and it was only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't mean that because the next relationship was worse or didn't work out that I should have stayed in that one. I should have found someone else, someone new. I made made a wrong decision on both or made made the right one with the marriage. We were married for 11 years and it was a good marriage. But 11 to 16, it just started. And that was it. Now, the girlfriend after was fucking awful. Um, But yeah, that's it's just life doesn't work that way. I I don't know why. I, I just that's just a weird way to look at stuff. Yeah, oftentimes with relationships, and maybe this is true. Actually, this is often true with head coaches too. Now that I think about it, you go in the complete opposite direction of we what do with presidents. 
And so Mac was the CEO type and did a great job at that. You're right about that. The uh, late nineties into the, through, through the entirety of the two thousands, because it lasted until 2010 was the best 10 to 11 year run of our lifetimes as Texas football fans, or at least for me as a conscious Texas football fan, I could guess you could make an argument. No, you couldn't make the argument because they didn't win a national championship in the 1980s. It was the best era of Texas football in yours and my lifetimes. Yeah. Not my mom's, but, but ours. Yeah. Ours for sure. But it also ended really ugly. And so after it ends, they go from the CEO type to a guy who had actual skins on the wall as a coordinator thinking that he would shore up that side of the ball. And strangely, that side of the ball was worse than the offensive side of the ball for Charlie. And then Tom Herman gets brought in. And the defense certainly had its issues throughout the Tom Herman era. Todd Orlando and his zero blitzes. But he eventually got the defensive side of the ball figured out, whereas the offense was more of the problem. So then they bring Steve Sarkeesian in after that, another offensive guy. Interesting that they stay offensive minded, but that was definitely the smart move to make at the time, especially with what else was out there. And it has worked, at least in year three, it's worked. And we've seen incremental progress. 2020, don't qualify for the bowl game. Excuse me, 2021, don't qualify for the bowl game. 22, uh, you would like to have seen them do a little bit better considering just how much talent they had on both sides of the ball and Bijan an all-timer at the running back position for Texas, but it was still steps forward. And this year, up to this point, has been more steps forward. And the eyeball test tells you that Steve Sarkeesian and his staff are taking Longhorn football into a much better place, which is the direction it needs to be headed, by the way, with the SEC looming next season. No doubt about it. No, I mean, and a lot like Mac, you can feel that it's moving in the right direction. You know, the OU stuff was frustrating, but it wasn't that hard for us to look back, you know, not too many years before and think about, and we had five and six football teams and they look like it. And, you know, so yeah, it, it definitely feels like it's moving in the right direction. Do you have any worry? I know Houston, aren't they dead last and almost made every big 12 defensive stat out there? Yeah, Houston might be able to do some decent things on offense, but they suck defensively. I mean, they are trash defensively. They only gave up, I think it was like seven points to Sam Houston State, and there's another opponent, not TCU, because they gave up a bunch of points to TCU. There were a couple of really bad opponents on the schedule that they didn't give up 30-plus to, but they've given up 30-plus to essentially everybody else, including some really bad offenses. This Texas offense needs to get going early and often. And BK made the point that maybe they don't have a whole lot of red zone trips because they're scoring longer touchdowns. I actually want to see them get into the red zone four or five times and see them succeed every time too against a bad defense because you have to start somewhere. And while I'd like to think that over these last two weeks, Steve Sarkeesian has really thought about what they can do differently to find success in the red zone. Maybe it's as simple as giving the ball to Jonathan Brooks more or if you're inside the five, spread things out a little bit more and take what the defense is giving you in terms of an RPO. Maybe you mix in Savion Red and the Wildcat package that he spearheads on short yardage situations. Malik but Murphy. Cougars defense sucks. So you need to make sure that you're good in every facet of the offense, but specifically two areas where you've struggled at times this year. Third down conversions 
and then also scoring touchdowns in the red zone. There is something, though, and I, I don't think it was necessarily the case at Alabama, but he had such talented players at Alabama. And Texas is talented now, but they're not that talented. They don't have three first-round picks of wide receiver. They don't have four first-round picks on the offensive line. Um, that There's something about his scheme and in the red zone that, that he's got to adjust it, and he's got to figure that out. Because, you know, especially having a tight end that good, that's where you live and die with that guy and or a guy as big as um ad mitchell yeah you know xavier his he gets cut back a little bit because what he can really do is stretch the field and yeah. we all know i mean it's tougher it's tougher for every offense and every coordinator when you're inside the red zone because unless you've got just a 95 nebraska team it's like oh that fucking matter We're fucking running isos and triple option hmm. um but he's got to figure it out and the field obviously gets compressed, but he's got some weapons that traditionally are the type of guys you lean on in the red zone, a great physical mismatch tight end and a six, four receiver. Right. Yeah. And other receivers who are willing to work the middle of the field. You're not talking about JT Sanders too. He throws a bunch of eye candy and motion out there to confuse defenses like that stuff should all still be in play. And like, I still go back to that uh, first and one or that first and goal from the one against OU where they had four cracks at it and never got into the end zone. Like after you aren't able to assert your will on first down, spread it out, force that defense to take, take 80 Mitchell and JT Sanders and Jordan Whittington into account while also having Jonathan Brooks in the backfield. Yeah. Yeah. And and take how, many time, how many times did they go under center then? I forgot. Were they, they were under center at least three of those. Okay. Cause they were in that jumbo package. Yep. For three. I for do three. like that. I don't like turning that in to first and goal from the one to first and goal from the four. Oh, you're, you're saying just you're starting, under center, starting under center in general. Yes. Yeah. I, I have no issues. I mean, it is a huge pet peeve. And Tom Herman used to do this all the time with that goddamn Sam Ellinger QB power play to the right, where you would start him in shotgun and then send him to the right. And it was an effective play, I think Sam's freshman or sophomore season. But the next two years, we had to watch defenses continually stuff that play. So, yeah, get under center. You know what's funny? We talked about the... Um, the brotherly shove play that Philly is so good at. Mm -hmm. I watched the team the other night, not execute it. It was like a half-hearted effort. And the guys behind the quarterback didn't do a good enough job of pushing. And they actually didn't get the half yard. There's a lot that goes into that. Philadelphia just has the timing down. You've got Kelsey. You've got a really good offensive line. You've got the perfect quarterback to run it with. Who's really smart and knows where to go and can just feel cracks and also squats 9,000 pounds. Um, and is just a physical freak in terms of his strength that, especially at his size, that it's just everything works with that. Mm -hmm. And and they've got that play down pat. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's got to be, I don't know why you wouldn't have run that. Um, How yeah, about Savion Red under center for that play then? I know he's a, a little bit smaller, but he also plays angry. Or maybe get yeah, Malik Murphy in there too. You've got... You have somebody on that roster who can make that play work. You just you just named him. Malik Murphy. 
Yeah. His size, yes. And you 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 can get get uh Tavandre and um and uh who am I thinking of? Um whoever they have back there. Byron Murphy. Yeah, Byron Murphy's back there. Just yeah. to just to shove. And you don't need much at that point. And he's a big physical guy. Um yep. yeah, I mean, I, I hope that that's something they're working on. I don't think they'll need it this weekend. What are you thinking? Do you think this will be 70% Texas fans? Huh. Yeah, 60 to 70% probably. Houston is heard, a commuter school after all. I heard I heard I heard national people um talking like, well, it's a road game. And I was like, no, it's not really a road game. So. You guys aren't following it very closely. Okay. Games in Houston that Texas is involved in, even if it's technically a home game for Houston to rise. It's like watching an NFL game in LA. Yeah. The home team is not well represented in the stands. Uh, Michael says, my assumption is Trey has never been to an Austin FC game. Well, clearly Michael uh, decked out in the Austin FC beanie, Austin FC scarf. Oh, I have that. I have that scarf. Holding a trophy. Yeah. That is probably has some sort of uh, accomplishment that Austin FC has made these last couple of years. You are an Austin FC fan, and good for you for that. And you're wrong. I have been to an Austin FC game. Yeah, you took back your kids. In against Toronto FC. I took my kids because they wanted to go, and it was an exciting zero-zero affair through ninety minutes. There were so many opportunities where they almost got the ball close enough to the other goal to score. To even have a shot on goal. Almost opportunities. And there were several shots where the ball was kicked, but it wasn't on goal, so it doesn't count as a shot. Or I guess it counts as a shot off goal versus a shot on goal. And then, an extra time, after the 90th minute, Austin FC scored the go-ahead slash game-winning goal, and it was actually pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Now, did it make up for the fact that the first 90 minutes of the game was completely boring? No, it didn't, but it was also a lot of fun. Watching the celebration and watching how happy and excited my kids were in the stands next to me. I've yet to go to a game. Um, I've had a couple, couple offers and just haven't gone to one yet, but I think soccer... For people like me that don't necessarily really like the sport that much, I don't dislike soccer. It's just not because um, when I watched it in Spain, I actually had a pretty good time with it. But it's not, nothing I'm ever really going to get into that much. But I think I, I, it's equivalent to me of, of people that don't really know or like baseball, mm. and that in person it's just much better experience for them because I've I've heard the the atmosphere there is really really damn good. There are certain sports that I would discourage anybody from going and watching in person. Soccer is not one of those sports. Soccer is much more enjoyable in person. Hockey, too. Hockey's very enjoyable in person. Like uh, Steve, a.k.a. Cooter, is a Texas Stars season ticket holder. Obviously, uh, Tom McKay is, too. Completely understand why those guys go to as many hockey games as they do. Because hockey in person is a lot of fun. Yeah. Golf is I don't call golf a sport, but golf is one of those games that I would discourage somebody from going and watching if they actually care to watch golf. Because 
unless you're in the VIP area where you can watch it either from elevation or more likely on television, you're just standing there around a tee box or a fairway or around a green. And you get to watch that one part of the course. Or maybe you're following a guy around the entire time. You have no fucking idea what's going on. No, you don't. And you're you're also constantly jockeying and fighting for position. Like over and over. It'd be like saying, hey, we're going to go to this football game. And um, there's going to be 18 times that you got to fight for your new seat. It's like, what? Yeah, this is my seat. It's like, no, 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 no. Your seat's going to change the whole time. So, and you got to run and you got to, you, you, you got to really get going. You know, there was something funny though, seeing like all these white guys in khakis and golf shirts, you know, mm-hmm. who don't want to sprint, but are, are like speed walking as much as they can. We got to go see Scotty Chef. I'm 14, but I'm way, way too into myself. And I've always promised that I can't see people have me run as an adult. But it's just like, it's like 98% khakis. Dude, I, okay. I told you that I went and uh, rode my bike up to my kid's school to get them because they are also on their bikes and it allows us to get back quickly enough to be relatively on time for the three to five show. There are parents who look at me like I'm a psychopath because I'm on a bicycle. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you're the one that takes adulthood way too seriously. Being on a bike is one of those simple joys about being alive. Yeah, it'd be one thing if you showed up like Lance Armstrong and had the whole get up and it's like, you know, your dress up day, whatever, then like you're not wearing the tights and in, in, in the actual shirt that, that looks like you're competing in an event. Because <laughs> I see people like that all the time. I'm like, all right, you know, that's probably a little too hardcore. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're if you're on Parmer on a Saturday or Sunday in the shoulder trying to go 25, 30 miles per hour. We've, we're having a different conversation right now, but just simple bicycling through a neighborhood to go grab your kids from school because they're on their bikes. Yeah. I think it's cool. And come on. Like you, you go on bike rides through your neighborhood in Hyde park on yeah. Sunday mornings. I'm jealous. Every time I talk to you on Sundays, you know, like, yeah, I got a good bike ride. I'm happy for you. Cause you've done something that you love to do. It's a physical activity. It's uh, fairly low stress, even though drivers these days make it questionable because it's a Sunday morning, you're dealing with much less of that. And uh, yeah, I'm happy for you. And also jealous that I haven't done something very similar. Yeah. It's one of the few times I've gotten my work at it, workout in and exercise and you have not, it's funny. You and I talked about this, just like the, the changing of generations. And this is probably a good thing, but, I mean, my, my parents were good parents, but it just was a different time in the 80s. And I know people, kids are sick of hearing that. It's like, what was going on in the 80s? Jesus Christ, bro, you guys just doing bumps off Don Johnson? It's like, no. I mean, some people were. But <laughs> that, I, that eating a lot of overcooked meat and canned vegetables in between. Oh, God, the food's gotten so much better. Think about Brussels sprouts in 1986. Ugh. I mean, you know, we've come a long way with food in this country. We should be very proud. And I don't even know if there's something comparable to what Brussels sprouts were in the 1980s. Oh, God. That sulfur smell when you could come in and smell it. My mom is a really damn good cook, is still a good cook, but was a great cook. And she didn't get those right. I mean, people didn't know you got to get the sulfur out. And then 
go Asian style that we see everywhere. Sweet and sour. Fry up the leaves. Fish oil. Bacon. Fish sauce. sauce, Good to go. But um, you and I were talking about this. My parents never or no kid ever. I mean, if if he did, he got the shit beaten out of him and mocked. No kid ever wore a helmet. Riding, riding their bike. And I still don't wear a helmet. And I had a girlfriend who really got after my ass. And she's probably right. But she's like, I can't believe you don't wear a helmet. Mm. I thought, well, I'm just going through here. Like, you know, I, no, I, I'm just not. So she was like, well, next time we're out, I'm getting you a helmet. I was like, well, I probably won't wear it. Um, if you're riding your bike on Guadalupe, let's say, then I understand the helmet argument a little bit. Oh, I understand it anywhere, actually. But look, if you wear a helmet, I'm not going to make fun of you, but there's also situations where I may not wear a helmet. I had this conversation with my kids on the way home today. Like, dad, why don't you wear a helmet? Dad, why are you only have one hand on the handlebars? I'm like, cause I'm looking back <laughs> to make sure I'm making, I'm looking back to make sure cars aren't coming to tell you guys to get closer to the curb on our right. You can't they do that me, with two hands. They ask me, no because of my pathetic back okay um it's much easier with one but they're like dad why don't you wear a helmet i'm like because i've been riding my bike for a long time and even though it would be wiser for me to wear a helmet i trust my skills and abilities to ride this bike and not crash y'all will eventually get to the point as bike riders where you can make that decision for yourselves too but in the meantime because there is much more uncertainty with you riding your bike you need to wear a helmet to protect those noggins. Yeah, I went over the handlebars a couple times. I did you know, too. We, we would ride our bikes like Dukes of Hazard style, man. You'd be flying everywhere. You hit some uneven thing on, you know, on a sidewalk, and and it was scary. And I look back on it. I mean, you know, I probably should have been wearing a helmet, but you know, Bob and Cindy were good parents. I mean, but it was just like no, no other kid was wearing a helmet back then. Yeah. There is, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned going over the handlebars because there was one particular time where I'd gotten a new bike and it was the first bike where I think there was still a brake, uh, uh, pedal brake too, but it was the first time I had the, oh, the pedal brake. It was the first time I had the front and back brake, um, levers or whatever you call those, yeah. the, the hand brakes, the front hand and back brakes. hand brakes. And I was going really fast. We lived at the edge of a cul-de-sac and I was going really fast through this cul-de-sac and I was trying to hit the back handbrake to come to a skidding stop, but I hit the front brake and it was a straight flip over the bike, not wearing a helmet, got up, was in a lot of pain, looked around to make sure like nobody had just seen that and somehow didn't land straight on my head. And I guess in that moment, I had realized I needed to kind of tuck and roll a little bit because even though I was hurting and I was probably scraped up, it was not as bad as it could have been. Yeah. No, like, and I, I mean, also knew which brake was the front brake going forward, too. I bet you didn't mess that up. No, that 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 changes changes the whole game. All right. What else this weekend do we need to hit that? Is there like what's going on in pro football? What, what's the best game? Because it's not looking at the top 25, at least for college football. I mean, no doubt Penn State, Ohio State's the game. Obviously, we're into Texas and Houston. That's at 23 and a half now. Washington State, Oregon's not going to 
it, it may be good, but it, the way Washington State's playing, I, I don't have high hopes for that. And Tennessee, Alabama won't be as yeah. good as it was last year. Duke, Florida State could be interesting in terms yeah. of the ranked matchups. That may be the second, the the one that I'm second most interested in. I don't give a shit about Utah, USC. Like maybe USC's defense can make a stop now that they're facing a, a really bad offense, but they've also given up a lot to really bad offenses this year too. But may, maybe Duke, Florida State. But uh, Florida State could manhandle them too. We'll see. Um, they uh, could. I think there's a chance Riley Leonard plays. Yeah. So if Riley Leonard plays, that obviously helps. And then Mike Elko is uh, is obviously a great defensive mind too. So uh, is is he able to uh, to to get to that Florida State offense? Slow them down. We shall see. Uh, in terms of NFL matchups this weekend, Detroit Baltimore. Okay. Involves two teams that have winning records, and then is is Detroit the third best team in the NFC? They are, yes. I mean, I, I, mean, you should, I mean, your opinion, not 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 because they're five and one or whatever. I think there's an argument that the second best team in the NFC, but yeah, they are they are probably the third best team in the NFC. Otherwise, who are they and, better than Philly or San Francisco, possibly? Um, I think that if Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel are out, which is a possibility for Monday night, then they are the uh, they are ahead of San Francisco. That's fair. Uh, I, I think that the Philly matchup would be an interesting one for him too. I mean, they they are a salty team on both sides of the ball. Uh, David Montgomery being hurt once again is unfortunate, but they might get Jameer Gibbs back this weekend. There's just a fun team to watch right now. This is going to be another good test for them. At Baltimore, but I also haven't been that impressed with the Ravens this year. They're four and two right now, but it's a very meh four and two. But the big matchup this weekend, though, is Miami at Philadelphia. That's right. I knew, I knew there was one. Yeah, I am. I will be as excited to watch that as I am. You know, most college football games. That one should be fun. Hold on. Shut the fuck up, NFL.com. Stop starting videos. If I don't ask you to, that is speaking of peeves, that is another huge peeve. Yeah, I know. I'm um, to start a video a just because I'm at your website. Stop with the extra fucking views. <sighs> uh, so yeah, Dolphins. Uh, Eagles you know, I, I, I know our listeners are in the same boat. I don't know if Justine is, but there is something like when you get upset, it, it a lot of us laugh inside. Because you're 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 just fun to watch get upset. It's amusing in doses, which is why I'm glad that you and everybody else gets it in hour to two hour increments. Where unfortunately for Justine and my kids, twenty four seven process. Yes, Cooter, I make my kids wear helmets. There's not a goddamn thing wrong with that either. My parents were telling me where the scrap wood was so I could build a shitty ramp. Yeah. Yes, I also, oh, yeah. That was a part of the 1980s too, Cooter. We had ramps. We had like different driveways that were sloped that, you know, would go onto another driveway. Nothing like jumping off cement to cement, you know? And, and actually the driveway we had was not like a smooth one, you know? It was like the ones that has like the rocks and, you know, small rocks and jags coming up, you know, which made no fucking sense. But, um, yeah, I, I spilled it on that a couple of times. I'm glad. I'm glad I got into all that stuff. I think it helps you out as a driver, too. Yeah, you said that yesterday when I was retelling Calvin's injuries. I, I Yeah, I think I agree learning, with that. Learning early on how to go into turns how to slow down, how to speed up, velocity, 
inclines, declines, angles. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, you're not going to be a good driver just because you can ride a bike. But I think it early on, if you're doing that at Calvin's age, at seven years old, when he gets to 16, if kids at 16 even want to drive then, like that it's crazy. The new generation that doesn't get their license right away. I mean, you remember, you couldn't, I couldn't wait. I never wanted to go to a, a school or class more than I wanted to, to you know, the driver's head. It's like, let's get this done, baby. I'm not procrastinating on this. First day I can take it, I'm in there. Let's get it done. Um, Driver's license equaled freedom. Why Why oh would my, any yeah. kid not want that? Yeah. Does it requires them to look up from their fucking phones for a few minutes? And do you remember, like, think about now how if you told me, hey, Kevin, we go to Randall's right now? I'm like, it's 5 o'clock. I don't want to find out. No. Can we go later? Um. But back then, you would run any errand your parent wanted, you know? It's like, hey, do you mind uh, going to Walgreens and get me some condoms? Sure, Mom. Um, you know, and you, you, know, you had no problem driving anywhere. You're like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll drive. I got it. I got it. I'll be there. I'll, I'll pick up whatever you need. Laundry? Got it. Cool. Dry cleaning? Let's go. Yeah. You just wanted to drive just to get out of the fucking house. Driving equaled freedom. That's it. Bingo. And independence, too, by the way. Right. Independence and just getting out. My, my dad was one of those guys that, that sometimes would just take drives. Like, if you ever got in a fight with my mom or if just, you know, tough day at work or just just sometimes nothing was going on. So, you know, I'm going to go take a drive. And, and Austin wouldn't crowded back then. We'd go down 360 and he would just take that over, you know, the bridge and... Just kind of get out and drive a little bit. Even though I love living in Cedar Park, I also enjoy driving into Austin to do stuff. Like Central Market is a store that I go to more than the others. We talked about this earlier. They have better selection of produce and meats than the HEBs near me. So it's a, a it is expensive thing. though. I mean, everything's expensive now, but yeah, it's it's more it's more expensive, but it's also like you're paying for quality too. No, that's fair. Like I'll go to HEB and unfortunately the quality of organic produce or the, what you're able to get at the meat counter or the seafood counter, there is a palpable difference there. But there's other errands or other things that I'll go do in Austin and Justine will scratch her head like, why do you drive that 20 to 30 minutes to go do this stuff where you can get a version of it here in Central Park? And yeah. sometimes it's the quality, but it is also the driving element. Like I just like, I like to drive. I you like to, for whatever masochistic reason. I like to get on 183 and Mopac. Now, when I go to the grocery store on Sunday mornings, it's about as empty as the roads are all year long, except maybe Thanksgiving and Christmas morning. But I like to get out there and maneuver and sometimes get a little bit upset of over the incompetence of the drivers around me. But I also... uh I am a city kid at heart, so I like going into the city and indulging in city things. That's why I like going to comedy shows. It's like why I like going to concerts. It's why I like going to good restaurants. But the driving thing is a part of that too, for sure. Yeah, you, you, I lost that a long time ago. Driving is just, I don't care what kind of car I have. I just wanted to be, someone asked me the other day, like, you know, what, you know, your next new car, what are you going to get? You know, or people will say, you know, if you were worth a billion dollars, what kind of car you'd have? Same car I have. Like, I, I, I don't get any ego. 
I think this is me actually being more mature than and less superficial than a lot of people who their identity is their car. And I know a lot of people like that who are good people, but man, I, I don't, I don't take any identity out of my car and I really don't like driving. I, in fact, that was one of the great things about living in New York. I didn't drive for five years and it was fucking awesome. See, that's funny you say that because one of the best things about living in Chicago was driving in Chicago, but in Chicago, because it was this beautiful grid, there were wonderful ways to get around the insane amounts of traffic that seem to be in that city at all times. And even though I do love driving, I'd like to think that you're going to agree with this statement. My sense of self does not necessarily come from my car. My car is the means no. to an end. No, but there is also a control element of me being behind the wheel. It's one of the reasons there's many reasons why you and I are good friends, but one of the reasons why we're friends is because you're completely happy to be in shotgun while also providing excellent directions to get places around town. And I'm happy as the one behind the wheel who's sometimes not paying complete attention. I am all good being shotgun. I've got no problem with that. I don't want to drive if I didn't drive. If I didn't drive the rest of my life, I'd be fine. There'd be other things that I would want to not be taken away from me before that. A lot of them. But I want to make sure they're a good driver. And I trust you so much as a driver. You're a really damn good driver. And I also get some of those little nuggets like we got earlier. I love watching you blow up. Now, if I'm Justine and I got to drive with you five days a week or on some long trip, I'd say, all right, you know, the act's getting a little old here. People need to understand the zipper method, okay? <laughs> It is an every other car sort of deal when you're talking about merging on or off of the highway. It's not difficult, but some people are fucking assholes. Yeah. And that has to become my problem. I have to be the one that rages about that because some people think it's funny or cool or something else to rub a car out that is trying to just merge onto the highway. All we need to do is show a little bit of courtesy to one another and try to coexist versus trying to constantly fuck one another over. All right? Yeah. What I need to do is I need to, I need to be a little bit, and I think I'm getting better with age, but just be more patient. Not everyone is a good driver. Some people are just like, I mean, literally they can't drive. They, they don't have good depth perception. They've got awful timing. Uh, their hand-eye coordination shitty. Uh, vision may be bad. Now, if you're not paying attention or being an asshole, that's a different thing. But some people, and obviously as you get up older in age, I mean, I've got people in my life that, um, you know, I drive now and they used to be great drivers and they've just gotten older and it's a, either a balance thing or, uh, and what I do love is the ones that are comfortable enough to say that and admit that and say, hey, you know what, will you drive this trip? Um, I don't feel comfortable getting on 35 and we're going to Dallas and, um, you know, which, and they know I hate driving, but they also know that I'm probably better off in that situation where my faculties are um, compared to where theirs are. What does worry me are the people that still think they can drive and you got to tell 88 year old grandma that we love you. You're awesome. You're the matriarch. And you were a great driver for a long time. Need the keys for you. Well, for you. In, in general, yes, but driving is even, it's so much more difficult now 
because of how many people truly like, like it was a fake rant a few minutes ago. Although the zipper method is a thing and some of you people need to recognize. I, I thought it was fake. And then you started getting into it. And I'm like, wait a minute. I've heard this before. <laughs> yeah, it is real. That, that was uh that was manufactured though. This is legit though. Like the reason why you need to be paying attention and make sure you're on top of your shit as a driver is because 80% of the people around you are not paying attention. Yeah. 80% of the people around you are scrolling on Facebook or doing something else on their fucking phone. Yeah. And I know that not only because I see it, but because I'm trying to teach my kids the need to be present behind the wheel by having them present in the back seat and looking around and seeing every person who's on their phone. It's an easy thing to spot coming from behind a person too, which sounds weird coming out of my mouth as does that. But you can see it's the lane drift. Yeah. The person is like, they're either on the line, one side or the other, or they're dr drifting completely onto the shoulder into the next lane, but they aren't trying to change lanes. Yeah, They're just paying closer attention to that screen in their hands than they are whatever's happening through the windshield. Yeah. I mean, it'd go back to the days we used to be worried about, it was either cigarettes or changing the radio. Those are the things that seem to distract people. I would take that any day of the week now. You have two cigarettes, two heaters going and just be fucking with the radio the whole time. That's much better than. <laughs> that PSA was always so fucking ridiculous, by the way. Oh, the Jim cigarette that got flicked out and went in the back. No, that that's a, that's a funny one. No, it was the, uh, the, the changing the radio thing. Jim didn't like the song on the radio, so he decided to kill a nine-year-old girl. Yeah, right. Exactly. Bullshit. Jim got a little sick of the doors, so now Tina's dead. And now her I parents will... will never have her again. It's like, whoa, that was heavy. If you revamp that PSA by saying, Jim was upset about the lack of likes on his Instagram post, so he killed a family of 12. I'll believe that one. Yeah. I don't know how he killed a family of 12. Family I guess they're 12. riding what are the, the bus. What are, the, are there fucking rivers in town? <laughs> well, not all of them. <laughs> and it's all right, buddy. Time. That'll do it for us, man. Good job, as always. Are you on the uh, post game Saturday or no? Yes, I am. How about oh, that? Can we get balloons for that? Well, it depends on if BK is sitting on the other end right now. Oh, he is, but he's probably going to wait to release the balloons until. <laughs> give, me, give me some balloons, PK. He was in the. <laughs> uh, oh, he's just raising his hands. There he is. Fresh out of balloons, boys. Fresh no more balloons. Fresh out. Did you give them all to the kids? Yes. <laughs> in the whole apartment complex, going door to door. You fucking creep. <laughs> 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 getting a good feel for your personality early on, man. Oh yeah, start them young. All Start right, so we'll we'll do post game hopefully after a big Texas win. So talk to you then. Sounds good, brother. Thanks to everybody for watching and listening today. As always, if you have not already, please do subscribe to the On Texas Football. Nope, to the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Texas Sports Unfiltered. That's what the YouTube channel is called. Click the like, click the thumbs up if you did like today's episode from beginning to end. And we will talk to you tomorrow starting at 8 a.m. with Bucky and BK. Kevin and I will be on post game after 
the win over Houston this Saturday. In the meantime, 